chapter seven of peveril of the peak by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by dion gines salt lake city utah fang a rescue a rescue mrs quickly good people bring a rescue or two henry the fourth part one the followers of peveril were so well accustomed to the sound of boot and saddle that they were soon mounted and in order and in all the form and with some of the dignity of danger proceeded to escort the countess of derby through the hilly and desert tract of country which connects the frontier of the shire with the neighbouring county of cheshire the cavalcade moved with considerable precaution which they had been taught by the discipline of the civil wars one wary and well-mounted trooper rode about two hundred yards in advance followed at about half that distance by two more with their carabines advanced as if ready for action about one hundred yards behind the advance came the main body where the countess of derby mounted on lady peveril's ambling palfrey for her own had been exhausted by the journey from london to martindale castle accompanied by one groom of approved fidelity and one watching maid was attended and guarded by the knight of the peak and three files of good and practised horsemen in the rear came whitaker with lance outram as men of a special trust to whom the covering the retreat was confided they rode as the spanish proverb expresses it with the beard on the shoulder looking around that is from time to time and using every precaution to have the speediest knowledge of any pursuit which might take place but however wise in discipline peveril and his followers were somewhat remiss in civil policy the knight had communicated to whitaker though without any apparent necessity the precise nature of their present expedition and whitaker was equally communicative to his comrade lance the keeper it is strange enough master whitaker said the latter when he had heard the case and i wish you being a wise man would expound it why when we have been wishing for the king and praying for the king and fighting for the king and dying for the king for these twenty years the first thing we find to do on his return is to get into harness to resist his warrant pooh you silly fellow said whitaker that is all you know of the true bottom of our quarrel why man we fought for the king's person against his warrant all along from the very beginning for i remember the rogue's proclamations and so forth always run in the name of the king and parliament ay was it even so replied lance nay then if they begin the old game so soon again and send out warrants in the king's name against his loyal subjects well fare our stout knight say i who is ready to take them down 
in their stocking soles and if bridge north takes the chase after us i shall not be sorry to have a knock at him for one why the man baiting he is a pestilent roundhead and puritan said whittaker is no bad neighbour what has he done to thee man he has poached on the manor answered the keeper the devil he has replied whittaker thou must be jesting lance bridgeforth is neither hunter nor hawker he hath not so much of honesty in him ay but he runs after game you little think of with his sour melancholy face that would scare babes and curdle milk answered lance thou canst not mean the wenches said whittaker why he hath been melancholy mad with moping for the death of his wife thou knowest our lady took the child for fear he should strangle it for putting him in mind of its mother in some of his tantrums under her favour and among friends there are many poor cavaliers children that care would be better bestowed upon but to thy tale why thus it runs said lance i think you may have noticed master whittaker that a certain mistress deborah hath manifested a certain favour for a certain person in a certain household for thyself to wit answered whittaker lance outram thou art the vainest coxcomb coxcomb said lance why twas but last night the whole family saw her as one would say fling herself at my head i would she had been a brickbat then to have broken it for thy impertinence and conceit said the steward well but do but hearken the next morning that is this very blessed morning i thought of going to lodge a buck in the park judging a bit of venison might be wanted in the larder after yesterday's was sale and as i passed under the nursery window i did but just look up to see what madame governant was about and so i saw her through the casement whip on her hood and scarf as soon as she had a glimpse of me immediately after i saw the still room door open and made sure she was coming through the garden and so over the breach and down to the park and so thought i aha mistress deb if you are so ready to dance after my pipe and tabber i will give you a coranto before you shall come up with me and so i went down ivy todd dingle where the copse is tangled and the ground swampy and round by haxley bottom thinking all the while she was following and laughing in my sleeve at the round i was giving her you deserved to be ducked for it said whittaker for a weather-headed puppy but what is all this jack-o'-lantern story to bridgenorth why it was all along of he man continued lance that is of bridgenorth that she did not follow me gad i first walked slow and then stopped and then turned back a little and then began to wonder what she had made of herself and to think i had borne myself something like a jackass in the matter that i deny said whittaker never jackass 
but would have borne him better but go on why turning my face towards the castle i went back as if i had my nose bleeding when just by the copley thorn which stands you know a flight short from the postern gate i saw madame deb in close conference with the enemy what enemy said the steward what enemy why who but bridgenorth they kept out of sight and among the copse but thought i it is hard if i cannot stalk you that have stalked so many bucks if so i had better give my shafts to be pudding-pens so i cast round the thicket to watch their waters and may i never bend crossbow again if i did not see him give her gold and squeeze her by the hand and was that all you saw pass between them said the steward faith and it was enough to dismount me from my hobby said lance what when i thought i had the prettiest girl in the castle dancing after my whistle to find that she gave me the bag to hold and was smuggling in a corner with a rich old puritan credit me lance it is not as thou thinkest said whittaker bridgenorth cares not for these amorous toys and thou thinkest of nothing else but it is fitting our knight should know that he has met with deborah in secret and given her gold for never puritan gave gold yet but it was earnest for some devil's work done or to be done nay but said lance i would not be such a dog-bolt as to go and betray the girl to our master she hath a right to follow her fancy as the dame said who kissed her cow only i do not much approve her choice that is all he cannot be six years short of fifty and a verjuice countenance under the penthouse of a slouched beaver and bag of meagre dried bones swaddled up in a black cloak is no such temptation methinks i tell you once more said whittaker you are mistaken and that there neither is nor can be any matter of love between them but only some intrigue concerning perhaps this same noble countess of derby i tell thee it behooves my master to know it and i will presently tell it to him so saying and in spite of all the remonstrances which lance continued to make on behalf of mistress deborah the steward rode up to the main body of their little party and mentioned to the knight and the countess of derby what he had just heard from the keeper adding at the same time his own suspicions that master bridgenorth of Moltrosi hall was desirous to keep up some system of espial in the castle of martindale either in order to secure his menaced vengeance on the countess of derby as authoress of his brother-in-law's death or for some unknown but probably sinister purpose the knight of the peak was filled with high resentment at whittaker's communication according to his prejudices those of the opposite faction were supposed to make up by wit and intrigue what they wanted in open force and he now hastily conceived that his neighbour 
whose prudence he always respected and sometimes even dreaded was maintaining for his private purposes a clandestine correspondence with a member of his family if this was for the betrayal of his noble guest it argued at once treachery and presumption or viewing the whole as lance had done a criminal intrigue with a woman so near the person of lady peveril was in itself he deemed a piece of sovereign impertinence and disrespect on the part of such a person as bridgenorth against whom sir jeffrey's anger was kindled accordingly whittaker had scarce regained his post in the rear when he again quitted it and galloped to the main body with more speed than before with the unpleasing tidings that they were pursued by half a score of horsemen and better ride on briskly to hartley neck said the knight and there with god to help we will bide the knaves countess of derby one word and a short one farewell you must ride forward with whittaker and another careful fellow and let me alone to see that no one treads on your skirts i will abide with you and stand them said the countess you know of old i fear not to look on man's work you must ride on madam said the knight for the sake of the young earl and the rest of my noble friend's family there is no manly work which can be worth your looking upon it is but child's play that these fellows bring with them as she yielded a reluctant consent to continue her flight they reached the bottom of hartley neck a pass very steep and craggy and where the road or rather path which had hitherto passed over more open ground became pent up and confined betwixt copsewood on the one side and on the other the precipitous bank of a mountain stream the countess of derby after an affectionate adieu to sir jeffrey and having requested him to convey her kind commendations to her little page-elect and his mother proceeded up the pass at a round pace and with her attendants and escort was soon out of sight immediately after she had disappeared the pursuers came up with sir jeffrey peveril who had divided and drawn up his party so as completely to occupy the road at three different points the opposite party was led as sir jeffrey had expected by major bridgenorth at his side was a person in black with a silver greyhound on his arm and he was followed by about eight or ten inhabitants of the village of martindale moltrosi two or three of whom were officers of the peace and others were personally known to sir jeffrey as favourers of the subverted government as the party rode briskly up sir jeffrey called to them to halt and as they continued advancing he ordered his own people to present their pistols and carabines and after assuming that menacing attitude he repeated with a voice of thunder halt or we fire the other party halted accordingly and major bridgenorth advanced as if to parley why how now neighbour said sir jeffrey as if he had at that moment recognised him for the first time 
what makes you ride so sharp this morning are you not afraid to harm your horse or spoil your spurs sir geoffrey said the major i have not time for jesting i'm on the king's affairs are you sure it is not upon old knoll's neighbour you used to hold his the better errand said the knight with a smile which gave occasion to a hoarse laugh among his followers show him your warrant said bridgenorth to the man in black formerly mentioned who was a pursuivant then taking the warrant from the officer he gave it to sir geoffrey to this at least you will pay regard the same regard which you would have paid to it a month back or so said the knight tearing the warrant to shreds what a plague do you stare at do you think you have a monopoly of rebellion and that we have not a right to show a trick of disobedience in our turn make way sir geoffrey peveril said bridgenorth or you will compel me to do that i may be sorry for i am in this matter the avenger of the blood of one of the lord's saints and i will follow the chase while heaven grants me an arm to make my way you shall make no way here but at your peril said sir geoffrey this is my ground i have been harassed enough by these twenty years by saints as you call yourselves i tell you master you shall neither violate the security of my house nor pursue my friends over the grounds nor tamper as you have done amongst my servants with impunity i have had you in respect for certain kind doings which i will not either forget or deny and you will find it difficult to make me draw a sword or bend a pistol against you but offer any hostile movement or presume to advance a foot and i will make sure of you presently and for these rascals who come hither to annoy a noble lady on my bounds unless you draw them off i will presently send some of them to the devil before their time make room at your proper peril said major bridgenorth and he put his right hand on his holster pistol sir geoffrey closed with him instantly seized him by the collar and spurred black hastings checking him at the same time so that the horse made a corbet and brought the full weight of his chest against the counter of the other a ready soldier might in bridge north's situation have rid himself of his adversary with a bullet but bridge north's courage notwithstanding his having served some time with the parliament army was rather of a civil than a military character and he was inferior to his adversary not only in strength and horsemanship but also and especially in the daring and decisive resolution which made sir geoffrey thrust himself readily into personal contest while therefore they tugged and grappled together upon terms which bore such little accordance with their long acquaintance and close neighbourhood it was no wonder that bridgenorth should be unhorsed with much violence while sir geoffrey sprung from the saddle the party of bridgenorth advanced to rescue their leader and that of the knight 
to oppose them swords were unsheathed and pistols presented but sir geoffrey with the voice of a herald commanded both parties to stand back and to keep the peace the pursuivant took the hint and easily found a reason for not prosecuting a dangerous duty the warrant he said was destroyed they that did it must be answerable to the council for his part he could proceed no farther without his commission well said and like a peaceable fellow said sir geoffrey let him have refreshment at the castle his nag is surely out of condition come neighbour bridgenorth get up man i trust you have had no hurt in this mad affray i was loath to lay hand on you man till you plucked out your petronelle as he spoke thus he aided the major to rise the pursuivant meanwhile drew aside and with him the constable and head borough who were not without some tacit suspicion that though peveril was interrupting the direct course of law in this matter yet he was likely to have his offence considered by favourable judges and therefore it might be as much for their interest and safety to give way as to oppose him but the rest of the party friends of bridgenorth and of his principles kept their ground notwithstanding this defection and seemed from their looks sternly determined to rule their conduct by that of their leader whatever it might be but it was evident that bridgenorth did not intend to renew the struggle he shook himself rather roughly free from the hands of sir geoffrey peveril but it was not to draw his sword on the contrary he mounted his horse with a sullen and dejected air and making a sign to his followers turned back the same road which he had come sir geoffrey looked after him for some minutes now there goes a man said he who would have been a right honest fellow had he not been a presbyterian but there is no hardiness about them they can never forgive a fair fall upon the sod they bear malice and that i hate as i do a black cloak or a geneva skull-cap and a pair of long ears rising on each side on it like two chimneys at the gable ends of a thatched cottage they are as sly as the devil to boot and therefore lance outram take two with you and keep after them that they may not turn our flank and get on the track of the countess again after all i had as soon they should course my lady's white tame doe answered lance in the spirit of his calling he proceeded to execute his master's orders by dogging major bridgenorth at a distance and observing his course from such heights as commanded the country but it was soon evident that no manoeuvre was intended and that the major was taking the direct road homeward when this was ascertained sir geoffrey dismissed most of his followers and retaining only his own domestics rode hastily forward to overtake the countess it is only necessary to say farther that he completed his purpose of escorting the countess of derby to vale royal without meeting any further hindrance by the way the lord of the mansion readily undertook 
to conduct the high-minded lady to liverpool and the task of seeing her safely embarked for her son's hereditary dominions where there was no doubt of her remaining in personal safety until the accusation against her for breach of the royal indemnity by the execution of christian could be brought to some compromise for a length of time this was no easy matter clarendon then at the head of charles's administration considered her rash action though dictated by motives which the human breast must in some respects sympathize with as calculated to shake the restored tranquillity of england by exciting the doubts and jealousies of those who had to apprehend the consequences of what is called in our own time a reaction at the same time the high services of this distinguished family the merits of the countess herself the memory of her gallant husband and the very peculiar circumstances of jurisdiction which took the case out of all common rules pleaded strongly in her favour and the death of christian was at length only punished by the imposition of a heavy fine amounting we believe to many thousand pounds which was levied with great difficulty out of the shattered estates of the young earl of derby End of chapter seven